Welcome to episode 401 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We've crossed the Rubicon and have gone over 400 episodes. It's amazing. Thank you to everyone out there who sent me a nice thank you note and congratulations on reaching that point. I'm going to read some of your notes at the end of this podcast, but we're going to jump right in. The topic today I want to talk about is that Stern Pinball has sold out of their signature editions of Elvira. 50 of them have been spoken for at $15,000 with very little additions to the game. There's hardly anything different in the signature edition over the LE. All you really get that's different is a signed baseball card, a little piece of a couch, and you get you know the sparkled armor and you get the metallic chrome foil decals on the side with the same art package as the LE, same translate as the LE. Almost everything is the same as the LE. Very, very minor differences, and yet it's 5,000 more. But because there's only 50, it's sold out. And as I said on, on my last show, all you have to do is tell a wealthy collector he's gonna have one of 50 and it will be the best version of the game it might not have any different gameplay you know, experiences, but it, as long as it's the best, they will go in on it. So here's what I want to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll do some news after this, but I really want to focus on one thing. I want to focus on the tale of two companies and their approaches to selling the most expensive version of their game and the most collectible version of their games, respectively. On one side, we have Jersey Jack Pinball. Jersey Jack's high-end machines are the collector's editions, right? They are labeled that. He's telling us these are the games for collectors. I want to talk about what Jack gives you in his CE package and how Jack delivers that CE package to you. And then I want to talk about Stern Pinball and how they do stuff like this every once in a blue moon. They call it either the super limited edition or the signature series of the game, you know, Beatles Diamond Edition. Every once in a while, Stern Pinball delivers a game that is really, really expensive, right? $15,000. I want to talk about how these two companies are trying to do the same thing, but the strategy and the way in which they execute their strategy is radically different. One company is hyper successful in their venture to get you to buy super expensive versions of their games. The other company, I think, gives you more for the money but completely, I think, fumbles the way they they get it to you. Let's talk about that right now. So right off the bat, if I were just to ask you and zoom out and say, what's more collectible, 500 of something or 50 of something, right? We're going to make 500 Wonka Collector's Editions. We're going to make only 50 Elvira Signature Editions. So right off the bat, Stern Pinball is much smarter in limiting the number of games they're going to make because there's no way around the fact that 50 feels very limited. It feels very scarce and very rare. 500 doesn't feel that way at all. In fact, 500 doesn't feel uh, like some super high-end, like rare game. It feels just like the number of normal LEs that Stern makes. Because remember with Elvira, there's only 400 limited editions. So the, so the limited edition of Elvira is even rarer than the collector's edition of Willy Wonka. Okay, so right off the bat, Stern's got the better number in terms of volume of the limited version. Okay, but from there, from there, what else does Stern have? They have a higher price point 
than Jersey Jack does, $15,000 versus $12,500. Now, here's the crazy part. Here is the crazy part, and I learned this lesson years ago when I used to work on James Dyson's vacuum cleaners. I would work personally with James, and his story was amazing. When he first made his vacuum cleaners, it, they were like $3,500 in the mid-80s, right? And the only people that could afford them were in Japan because the Japanese culture embraced new technologies. And also there's something unique about Japanese culture and the way they spend money, especially the wealthy, the more they spend on something, the better they think it is. Even if it's not that much better, they just feel a prouder that they have the top of the line version. And I think that is what Stern has done here. If you tell someone, hey, this cost $15,000, people start to look at it like it's a $15,000 pinball machine, even if there's hardly anything different in that game than the $9,500 LE version of the game, right? But, but because that's the price tag, it just somehow seems better, right? It's like when you go into a restaurant and you're like, well, the $150 bottle of red wine must be better than the $100 bottle of red wine. So again, I think by pricing it over the collector's edition price of Jersey Jack, Stern is almost just arbitrarily saying, we think this is worth more and we're confident people will buy it. And here's the thing, when people, when they sell out, it validates the decision to do that and it's very smart. I mean, think about it, they're making so much more money per game than Jack is because they're hardly putting anything in it. Now, when you look at value and what are you getting in these collector's editions, it's not even close. Jersey Jack Pinball tries really hard, and I think successfully, to give you more when they charge you more for the collector's edition. I mean, just look at Pirates of the Caribbean collector's edition. It had different artwork. It had the, the rad cows. It had different translite art. It had a different topper that was amazing with the boat. It had a different playfield art. Um, you know, I'm trying to think what else. It has the barnacles on it, different armor. I mean, they really went the extra mile. It even had a better LCD screen TV in it. Everything about it was an improvement and, and, and was worth it. I, I think you look at Pirates and it's worth it. Now, Willy Wonka, we haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I can guarantee you the Willy Wonka Collector's Edition will have more in it over the LE than the signature Elvira has over the LE of, 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 of I can't even say it, Elvira. Okay, sorry guys. Early in the morning, Canada can't enunciate. So, so Jersey Jack tries much harder, gives you much more, and yet they will be so much more unsuccessful in getting people to get excited about the collector's edition. Now, regardless of what's in it, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what Stern put in that signature series. They were gonna sell out of all of them, not because of what's in it, because of how they sold it. Like, let's look at that real quickly. Stern Pinball is a genius when it comes to one simple thing. They create a moment and a window of hype in which they get people to have the fear of missing out and they drive people who are wealthy to get anxious that they might not get it. So here's the timeline. Let me, let me, let me break it down like this because I think you'll understand why this makes total sense, how Stern is successful and Jack is just left holding a big question mark in his hands. Stern announces Elvira not even to consumers first. Here's what they do. They have a webinar with Gary and the distributors. So the distributors are told, let's say, let's just take this last week for example. The distributors are told, I believe on Saturday night at 1 a.m. that they're going to release only 50 
Elvira Signature Editions. So then what happens from there? Before the game is even announced, before the game is even released, before there's any video, even images of the game, although we did get the leaks this time, before anything else happens, what happens? The distributors are all allocated the 50 games each distributor knows how many they're getting. And then what happens is those distributors, they call up their premier clientele and they say to them, hey, look, hey, I'm only going to get two of these. Uh, one already sold. Do you want the last one? And that's what they do. They go down a list of their best customers and they offer them a chance to get the best version of the game. But then here's the other part. I need to know now. You need to give me a $5,000 non-refundable deposit or you have to buy the game in full because that's just the way it's going to work. I mean, CoinTicker, I think, was selling them, uh, you know, you had to pay 15 k Other places took deposits that were non-refundable and non-transferable. So if you went in on a signature edition, you could not transfer that money to another Stern game down the road. You had to buy it. And so that that's genius because it creates an environment in which, oh my God, I'm going to miss out. There's only one left. I need to get it. I won't be happy if I have the LE. And they know they're driving sort of that frenzy of for those guys who want the best version possible. And, here, and here's what happens. Before the game is ever played, before anyone has seen what's on the LCD screen, before anyone's heard a single call out from Elvira, here's, here's what's happened. They sold all 50 of them. They're spoken for. Stern is now going to make these games and ship them when, not last, they're going to ship them first. The signature editions are going to be shipping to customers in the next two weeks. Now, here's the crazy part. So think about that. Uh, within a three-week period, Stern will have announced, sold, and shipped to customers every single one of their $15,000 game. And you guess what's going to happen? Those people are going to be happy. They're going to be happy they got their games first. They're going to open them up and they're going to be all excited with their sparkly armor. And they're going to be the first ones in the world to play Elvira with Lyman on code, Dennis Nordman game. And that's how it should be. Like I've said before, these are your first class passengers. They get on the plane first. Everyone else looks at those gentlemen with envy because they have the game first and they have the nicest version of the game, right? We, we all know that that you know, metallic chrome foiled, whatever the hyperchrome decals are going to look great. And we're all going to look at these gentlemen like, oh man, it looks like so much fun. I wish I was them. And that is why these people spend $15,000 on these games. It's not just to bring them personal happiness. On some level, it's a bit of a vanity play that you do like other people looking at what you have with envy. All right. And it's fun to be like, hey, I got the one, the top of the line one. Okay, so think about that. Within three to four weeks, everybody is, is seeing the game, getting the game, and enjoying the game. What date did Jersey Jack announce the, the uh, Willy Wonka Collector's Edition? Are you ready for it? It's September, what, 20th today? Is, is it the 20th? No, it's not the 20th yet. Uh, no, maybe it's, it's the 20th. Anyway, what yet is the 20th? What day did they announce it? You ready for it? They announced Willy Wonka Collector's Edition April 26th, all right? So don't laugh, or, or maybe you should be laughing. April, May, June, July, August, September. That was almost six months ago. Jersey Jack said to us, I'm going to make 500 Collector's Editions of the game. Starting in April, 
he took deposits that were refundable for those collector's editions. So at any moment, you could bail out. And so now where are we? Willy Wonka hype is starting to fade. There are so many LEs that are out there. People are going to start to see LEs sell for less than sticker. All of a sudden, do you really feel the urge to buy a collector's edition of Willy Wonka? If they're going to make 500, they're going to be around for a really long time. There's a good chance he won't, he'll never make all 500. And so I said it in the initial podcast. If Jack had offered the collector's editions first and sold everybody their collector's editions first and they were the first games on the line, he would have sold every one and he would have made $6 million on that sale in terms of revenue on that game. Now he's going to struggle to sell maybe 200 of them because he waited. And here's the crazy part. People will unbox and get their Elvira's before, possibly before Jack even shows what the final collector's edition is. I know people are going to get their Jurassic Park LEs before Jack even shows what the collector's edition is. And so that's all it boils down to is if you wait, you lose. If you make people wait six months, the buyers will dry up. There's, there's one thing that Stern does so well. And again, like I'm not even going to like shame the guys who spend $15,000 on this game because there's hardly anything in it. Because you know what? I kind of relate with these guys. I would even like to have one. Even though there's nothing in it, I still would like to have one. Um, I can't justify it this time. But what they do such a good job of is they get you to turn off all common sense. They get you to turn off rationality. The only thing they get you to do is be emotionally attached to the sparkly new pinball game in front of you. And think before you've even seen it played, you bought it. Let's just talk about that insanity for a moment. You People are buying a $15,000 pinball machine before they've even seen it played once. They don't even know if the game is any good. There's no reviews about it. There's no nothing. They're already fully committed. Now, maybe there's just 50 diehard Elvira fans. Maybe there's 50 fans of large breasts. Maybe there's 50 fans of Dennis Norman. I know there's way more 50 fans of Lyman Sheets than that. But you see what I'm saying? I think there was enough confidence in the people behind this game to be like, it's going to be great, right? It's going to be amazing. And it does look amazing. And it does look great. And it does look fun. Does it look like it's worth $15,000? Absolutely not. But like I said, it doesn't even matter anymore. All that matters is, is the one key sentence. This is the rarest Stern machine ever made. That's marketing, people. That's how you do it. it nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So you add that plus the fact that they're going to get people the game so quickly and all of a sudden, you've got a home run marketing strategy. And George Gomez and Zach Sharp should take a bow because they did it again. And Jersey Jack, once again, does it all wrong. Streams the game for months and months and months. By the time people are getting the game, people are bored of it. See, here's, what, here's a funny thing, too. When the, uh, when the Elvira Signature Series guys get their games, they're going to be the first ones to explore the game and find out what's in the game. When Willy Wonka Collector's Edition guys get their games, there's nothing new waiting for them whatsoever. Nothing new. We've seen stream after stream after stream of the game. Everything's already been spoiled in terms of what the modes are like. And so nothing's ever going to be new in the game. And so, well, you know, it, it, you start to get bored before you even own it. And so will Stern do this again? I mean, if I were them, I would. 
It's, it's amazing they didn't do it on a cornerstone title, but they don't need to on the cornerstone titles. And here's what I hear is coming from Stern. I hear the next two titles from Stern are just going to be juggernauts. The, the second one being the biggest juggernaut. I'm also hearing, and I expect this to happen, and they, they've already said it, internet connectivity is coming to Stern in 2020. Uh, uh, it, lighting systems in the games are coming in 2020. So if, if you're Penn Stadium, uh, you, you, best, <laughs> you best sell as many as you can right now because Stern is going to incorporate inner cabinet lighting into their games. It makes sense. There's no reason why we should be having to spend so much money on, on, you know, on cheap LED strips to go into the games, even though I love Penn Stadium and it's a great product, and there's still going to be thousands of games that still need Penn Stadium uh, because you know it's hard to reverse engineer that in without that product. I think moving forward, we're going to see better lighting in the games from Stern Pinball. And I think it's going to be a year in which Stern Pinball is going to clobber people. And, 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 you know, it's, you know, I almost kind of feel like they deserve to start clobbering people because people have had years, years to take down Stern with much better games. And I I think they failed to understand the very simple principles of what makes Stern games so much fun and and why people like Stern games so much. It's not, and as I said in this podcast, it's not about putting more into the game. It's a combination of everything, of what is the theme? Is it fun? Is it enjoyable? What's the window in which I will get the game? And these are impulse buys, and if you give people too long to think about it, they bail out. I'm really curious to just see when we get to see the collector's edition of Willy Wonka. See, if I were Jack, if I were Jack, the thing I would really want to do is I would say the collector's editions of Willy Wonka will have a bonus mode in the game. And it will feature one of the songs from the game. Maybe it's, you know, Veruca Salt's I Want It Now. Like there is a mode that they only put into the collector's edition of the game. Because if you ask me, the biggest BS with all these limited edition games is none of them have a limited experience. Like the guy who's playing Elvira for 7,500 or 7,800 is playing the exact same game as the dude who spent $15,000. I think that's BS. If I spent $15,000, how amazing would it would it have been? And then how much more easy would it be to justify it if Cassandra in Elvira garb, right, in her dress, if she gave an introduction into everyone's game with a personalized call out, right? So kind of like when Adam West says, Chris, get to the bat phone. Imagine if Cassandra as Elvira, every time you turn the game on, there's she records like four or five different phrases for for the bo- the guys who spent the money on the game. So imagine something like this: like Chris, I hope uh, I hope I get to trap your balls in this game, or or Chris, do you have the balls to like take down my haunted house? Like, and she's like, you know, it'd be amazing, it'd be amazing, and I don't think we're gonna get any of that because here's why: Stern doesn't need to put any of that in there because you are already you already bought them all without that being a feature. Now, if I could give any advice to the community, it'd be maybe to pump the brakes a little bit and make sure you get more for your money than this. I, I can't help but shake the fact that John Papaduke sold Magic Girl for $16,000, and everybody thought that was crazy, and he was only gonna make 13 of them. That was the initial run, 13, and everyone's like, you're nuts. You know, That's the only way he could justify $16,000. Look where we are nowadays. Stern's selling a $15,000 machine with absolutely nothing in it that's over the price of, you know, twice the price of the same exact game that they're selling as a premium edition, and people bought them all. So, look, 
Everybody take notes. Jack, take notes. Adjust what you're doing. This should not be this way. Okay, let's go into some other pinball news and then I'll read some of your uh, your comments and then I got to go to work. Okay, so Ghostbusters code. All right, it's finally improved after I think almost over three years, Dwight and team have revisited the Ghostbusters code and they've pretty much rewrote the code from the ground up. I'm not going to go too deep into everything. There's videos of them explaining it, but the basic gist is they've made the game easier. It's much easier to get through the game, to get to Stay Puff. They've added a wizard mode. Like, I think it's Are You a God wizard mode. And so that's good news for people who own Ghostbusters. As we've always said about the game, it's probably Stern's best world under glass. The art package is phenomenal. The game is just designed so poorly. It's brutally hard. And so it's kind of funny, right? They made this code to make, to, to make up for the design flaws in the game. And that's, you know, so like, it's like they know the game was designed poorly. And so we got to make the code easier for people to get through the game. I still don't think that makes this game great. I I, I don't. I, I think it'll make it more enjoyable for people who own it. Uh, but I heard a little rumor about the flipper gap. And apparently this is, this is what I heard is that when Trudeau was designing the game, he was moving stuff around in CAD and when he did that, he messed up and moved the flipper gap bigger than it should have been, and nobody caught it until it was too late, and that is why the flipper gap is so big. But it wasn't just the flipper gap, right? The 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 ball would hop over the outlanes and like you know the lane guides so easy in that game. I just feel like Ghostbusters when it was in Whitewood, if it ever was in Whitewood, all of these things should have been caught, and none of them were. And I'm happy you guys have, you know, better code and can get this to the, you know, to the later stages of the game. It's also, I'm hearing that the Slimer toy, which is the main toy in the game, which is so much fun, is still not really utilized very well. In fact, now with the new code, Slimer almost becomes pointless to the way the game is structured. And that's a shame. I, I think people really wanted a Slimer multi-ball that was easy to get. Uh, and they should have had something like that, uh, at least, you know, for casual players just to start a little multi-ball fun with Slimer. Uh, but, you know, that's what I'm hearing from from fans of the game. Will this game now be like in demand again? And will people chase after Ghostbusters? I don't really think so. I, I, I don't. I, I think three years later, we're supposed to get reignited excitement around a game. I don't know. It'd be like it'd be like having a movie in the movie theater. And then three years later, you add some better special effects I'm not going to go back and see it again. I think a lot of people's minds are made up on Ghostbusters. I think because it's a DMD game as well, people are uh, would rather have LCD games. I think Ghostbusters will always go down as a bit of a miss. I think it's the best theme ever for pinball. I just think the poor design will just never fully be overcome by better code. But look, the game is going to be more fun now. People will get more enjoyment. And if you own a Ghostbusters, I don't think you can look at this with anything else other than being happy that Stern understands uh, that they made the game too hard and they've improved it. So congratulations on doing that finally after three years of waiting, right? It's hard for me to be like, this is amazing. Like they, they made you wait three years. Like what the F? Like maybe they should have just designed it this way from the very beginning, uh, but they didn't. All right. What else is going on in the pinball news world? So I want to say something. I have a friend of mine selling a big Lebowski. His name is Sean Goodwin. His family has come on some hard times with some health-related issues of some of his relatives. And the man is just trying to sell his big Lebowski. 
And, and I, I can't believe people went into his for sale thread. And I know he's charging like 21000 but people went into his for sale thread and started insulting him and making fun of the fact that he was trying to raise money to help a sick family member. And I just want to say, that's disgusting. And you know who you are. I'm not even going to name names. You know who you are, pinball tournament player in New York City, going in there and just like calling this guy all sorts of names for trying to raise money for a sick family member. And I know that he also offered people Lebowski for money and a trade. Yeah, he still needs the money. That's why he's doing that because more people can spend $13,000 and, and trade a game with that $13,000 than maybe $20,000. Now, if you have a problem with people trying to sell Lebowski for fair market value, that's fine. But I just think it's despicable when, when this guy has a legitimate issue that he's trying to deal with in his personal life and we've got these guys who will never buy a game, who have no interest in it other than to run into these threads and, 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 and try to shame a guy who's just trying to raise money for a sick family member. So I just want to say, Sean, I, I, I support what you're doing and don't listen to these buffoons because they're just clowns. They're just clowns who, who, who go into every thread where they have no skin in the game and, and, and maybe they should just stick to their little dive bars and their little like weekly tournament nights and, and not pop up all day long on Pinside criticizing everyone. Because I'll say this to those guys. If you said that stuff to Sean's face, would you? Would you say what you say on Pinside to his face? And you, then you would see what would happen if you did that. And, and I, it just goes to show there's so many keyboard commandos and tough guys on Pinside that, that literally if someone was making fun of me with a serious family issue where I had to sell a game and I wanted to make a little bit of a profit, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's, there's a room for that. And I think people need to stick to their last. And, and it's just, there's just, let's get that crap out of the hobby. And those people who do that, I, I think you guys need to grow up a little bit and stop being such losers and, and just whatever, just jump into threads where you have something constructive to say all right all right but that being said sean's game is for sale for i think it's like twenty one thousand dollars. now here's the thing i played lebowski yesterday i went over to my friend's pinball loft in tribeca adam's got the greatest setup of all time i played lebowski i played about three games on it maybe four games game is gorgeous First thing I notice when it's in a line of games with Stearns is it looks a little small. It's just a little bit lower than a Stern game and the back box is a little bit smaller. You know, it's interesting standing over Lebowski right now because the game is so hyped. The game has so much drama surrounding it. And when you get in front of it and you start playing it, something happens. You're like, it's kind of just a pinball machine. Like it really isn't worth all of the hype and all of the drama. And you kind of just wish they would have made enough of these to get everyone their games and everyone's just enjoying their big Lebowskis because it is a great game, but it's not the greatest game of all time. It's not worth all the hoopla. Uh, is it worth $20,000? No, it's not. I, I mean, it's not. It, 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 it was always priced at what it should have been, which was $8,500. And so when you're actually playing it, it does something to you. It starts to remind you that this hobby is ridiculous. This hobby's become insane. People, people are associating godlike status on games just because they're rare or just because you can't have them or just because the theme is a dream theme. But ultimately, you know, Big Lebowski, it's packed with toys. The toys are awesome. The integration is awesome. Uh, but it's it's a little shallow in, in the code of the game. There's not as much in it as a modern Stern. And I have to say, Adam had his right next to right next to Deadpool LE. 
Now, while there's more in Lebowski mechanically, the Deadpool like blows it away like artistically. And, and with the LCD being the right size, and I mean, they're both good LCDs. I'll say this, the Lebowski sound is incredible. I don't think I've heard a pin sound so good ever. It is like the best sounding pin I, I've ever stood in front of. Uh, but my point with it being next to Deadpool is Lebowski looks a little bit aged at this point, right? It, and it is. I mean, it's five years old, maybe more. And so we've, we've seen so many sexier pins artistically come out in a long time. And so, you know, I don't know. Part of me looks at it like it's a great game. It's a really fun game. It's just not worth all the hoopla that is surrounding it. And I'll say this. I played a bunch of game games at Adam's apartment. And he's holding for a friend a theater of magic. And without a doubt, that is still the greatest game, one of the greatest games of all time. And when you jump on theater of magic and you see all the toys in it and you see how good it flows and you see all the magic and all the whimsical things... I still think Theater of Magic is better than Big Lebowski. I just do. I just think sometimes if we could just get a game like Theater of Magic with modern coding depth, we would be in pinball nirvana. And that is how I feel. And it's also why John Papaduke will get so many chances over and over again to give us new magic because something about his games, I don't know, when you flip them, you just get this smile on your face by all the fun stuff going on. So... What does the future hold for Lebowski? So right now, it's starting to soften up the market on it because people are believing that Barry is making more games. And I keep hearing people say the production's back up. People, don't be stupid. Will the production start up again? We shall see. Is he making a few more games right now? Yes, he is screwing some games together. He might be sharing those photos with people to convince them. But here's why he's screwing some games together. You might not know this. A few of the big Lebowskis that were shipped from the Netherlands to us were destroyed in shipping. One of those being Iceman 44s. And so uh, Barry has to remake those few games because there's an insurance claim on them. So he either has to give people their money back or he can get them a game again. And so those are the first games that are being made right now. In terms of full-fledged production, it hasn't started, people. Where, where is the assembly line? Where is the factory? Where He hasn't figured all that stuff out yet. He doesn't have all the parts to start making games in quantity right now. But how quickly we forget and we just want to believe everything's going to work out, right? Speaking of, have you looked at the video of Elvira? It still looks like the clear coat is pooling around some of those posts. Oh, my God. Hope those $15,000 machines, those clear coats, and those playfields were not ordered months ago, which they probably were. Will the solve be there? I don't know. Only time will tell. All right, what else is going on in the pinball world? Let's just read some of your emails, and then I got to get to work. All right, we're going to go down. We're going to go down this list. Let's see. Do, 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 do. All right, I got a note. Let's start with this date. Hector. Hector said, uh, let's see, Chris. I love your show, and I've been listening since day one. I'm a Patreon supporter, and I just wanted to drop a note regarding your 400th episode. Congratulations on 400. I have enjoyed them all. I used to listen to three different podcasts when you first started, and now it's just you. The others bore me, and I hate trying to play detective as to when they are truly speaking their mind or holding back because they feel they might insult someone in this hobby. With you, I know you are true and speaking your mind. Keep it up. 
Uh, there are many like me in this hobby who stay away from toxic junk on Pinside. We just enjoy the shows, enjoy our games, and take pinball for what it is, a box of blinking lights designed for enjoyment. A 10-minute game on Attack from Mars with a nice whiskey to drink is my definition of a good time. Just want to say thank you and keep the shows coming. Hector. Well, Hector, thank you so much, and I couldn't agree more. These are toys. We are grown adults. Get some friends over, pour some whiskey, have some fun. Nobody cares about how you multiplied your shots and stacked your modes. Nobody cares. Just have some fun and play some pinball. All right, I got an email from Clint Warren. He said, switch from Wonka to Jurassic Park. Chris, I just wanted to repeat something I've heard you say on the show. Jersey Jack Pinball is crazy for not shipping out Willy Wonka CE machines sooner. I had a Wonka CE on pre-order, but lost interest and switched my order to Jurassic Park LE. Wonka was revealed on April 12th. Wow, I was wrong. It was April 12th. And Jurassic Park was revealed on July 26, over two months later. Yet we still have not seen the final details of Wonka CE. And yet my Jurassic Park LE is being delivered tomorrow. JJP needs to realize that time is money. And if they want to maximize their profits and stay in business, they have to get their higher end models out to collectors sooner or they will lose interest and move on to the next shiny new thing. Clint in Houston, Texas. Clint, first of all, thank you for getting the dates straight. It was April 12th. And Clint, as you heard earlier on this show, I couldn't agree more. I don't know why Jack does it this way. I know that distributors have told him stop doing it this way and yet they continue to do it this way. All right, I got an email from uh, DIC Balls. You can you can enunciate that. I don't want the children's ears to be plugged up. He said, have you heard Give Me Some Truth by John Lennon? Part of episode 400 resounded the feeling. Keep up the good fight. Well, thank you so much, D Balls, for the note. I got an email from, doo -doo -doo, from Donna Shamara. She says, first off, thank you for podcasting. You takes, uh, your takes range from frustrating to okay, and I can see that which I find refreshing. Please thank your brother for the DJ mixes. I love them. All right, Bella Mix, I will do that. Thank you so much, Donna, for the note. Episode 400, Brian Millard said, congratulations on 400 and a hell of an episode at that. One of the best shows in some time. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to the next 400. Brian, thank you so much. Can we hit 800 episodes? I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Got an episode from Ben Dowswell. Canada, your podcast is the most entertaining pinball pod out there and the only one I donate to on a monthly basis. Keep up the good work. It is appreciated. All other podcasts are to your, uh, let's see, to your point about head to head, it was great back when Ryan C was on it. It is now absolutely insufferable with Joe as co-host. His constant laughing at the end of every one of his own sentences makes me want to throw my headphones across the wall. That is not hyperbole. Keep up the good work. All right. And then he said, I actually just pulled the plug on my Patreon donation to Head to Head, and I'll be giving it to your podcast instead. In my cancellation note to Marty, I explain exactly why. Excited for more entertaining episodes of Canada's podcast. Well, Ben, first of all, thank you so much for doing uh, that. And thank you for shifting your funds from head to head to Canada's. Look, 
you know, everyone does their show their way. And, you know, I, I think this show just does it a different way than everyone else. And I'm glad you enjoy it. Uh, and, you know, am I glad that you're pulling your money from head to head? You know what? I'll say this. I am glad because I've always tried to be nice and try to be cordial with head to head. And they've always, from the very beginning, just never wanted me on the show. They wanted nothing to do with me. Remember, they wouldn't even mention my name. They would just make fun of me. Who's laughing now, Marty? Who's laughing now? All right, let's go on. Okay, do, do, do. I got an email from, do, do, do. I just read Ben. Sorry, guys. I know. I don't take notes. From Jeff S. Jeff S. says, episode 400. Chris, this was a great episode. It was cathartic to listen to you run down many aspects of pinball and some of the corruption, all from various points of views. It was a hard look at the current pinball landscape and a deep dive into the minds of a pinball collector. I got a positive impression from listening to the podcast and it left me with a smile. Well, Jeff S., thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad we're finally making people smile and not cringe. I got an episode from John Dell. Congratulations on 400, Chris. Here's to 400 more. John, thank you so much for listening to the show. I got an email from Ed. My prediction is that Stern will release James Bond in December. The new movie comes out April 2020. Oh, Ed, I hope it's not James Bond. I really do hope it's not James Bond. And that's it. We got a lot more people on Facebook who have said congratulations. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show, who sent me a thank you note. I really appreciate it. If you want to donate to Canada's Pinball Podcast, uh, just go to Patreon. Look up, look up Canada Pinball. I think it's Patreon backslash Canada Pinball. Uh, happily would take a dollar a month, five dollars a month. Some people even donate a hundred bucks a month to the show. Because they love this. I love it. One guy once said to me, your show is more entertaining than taking my wife to dinner so I happily donate every month to the show. I still laugh every time I think about why he's donating. But you know what? I'll take it. Because this show is more entertaining than most of the dinners you have with your wives. Let's be honest, people. Have a great day, everybody. And we'll be back with more episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast next week. Beware.